0: Uh, welcome to Motor City Metrics. Uh, I'm Cameron. Alongside me, we have Chris, Raj, and Youp. Uh, Raj is currently uh, in Lakeland. Um, you can go ahead and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, I guess uh, we'll get this started by Raj. Uh, what's up in Lakeland? Uh, what do you have to What you have to tell us?
1: Well, um, first and foremost, thank you, uh, Cameron, for hosting this evening uh i am currently sitting in the thank you to sherry who is a uh, tigers uh, she's been working with my tigers minor league tracker for a long time doing photography and she allowed me to stay in her humble abode um so not bad of a view this evening as I'm uh, sitting outside out here but uh yeah there's plenty it's been really cold for this time of year in lakeland so that's been kind of an adjustment. But the first couple of days, observation-wise, it's just been a lot of the whole hum drills you've been seeing out there, the batting practice, uh, getting some some insights from it, just in terms of just getting these guys, like, the best shape of their life kind of moment, too. the the Japanese media is in full effect here for Maeda. So that's been an adjustment a little bit because he's had a crowd literally following him around everywhere he's gone. Um as far as, like, just batting practice stuff goes, too, same thing. It's been – the batters are behind these guys. I mean, the pitchers have been in camp for a few weeks now. So that's going to be a little bit of expected struggle to see the batters kind of behind. Um, but as far as observations go, Cole Keefe has been playing primarily first team with Javi Baez turning a couple double plays. And I posted some video on our, on, our, on my Twitter account. And so he looks pretty good out there. Uh, we've seen Riley Green, a lot of the first team groups in the batting practice, and Hinch has been doing like just they've been the press and the drills about making sure they're not blocking because all the, making sure they know every single part of these new uh, rules when it comes to blocking a play or blocking a, uh, play or excuse me plate
0: blocking uh, the bases.
1: Yeah, blocking the bases. Blocking the bases, yeah. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of emphasis on that to the again and just all the signings too just the amount of signings we'll, we'll get to one of them today but it's been a lot of uh has been seeing some minor leaguers, a couple in camp early on've seen Isaac Pacheco uh Lau Lockhart was, he this was his first time here because he literally went from Tulsa to Erie so um uh, manager Gabe Alvarez or Joey Cora who the run the batting practice you can tell the difference night and day he's been he's out there him and Bias a real good bond together. A lot of chirping out there, but I will say AJ Hinch has been in a very good mood. Just uh, luring over the camp well. There's a different vibe now that, that Miguel Cabrera's gone, and the locker room is, uh, is a lot different. So, um, But, yeah, there's other stuff we'll get to a little bit. But, yeah, definitely I will say it's a lot more of a, uh, a younger atmosphere, that's for sure.
2: Now, have you done anything this week where we'll see an article in the news that says – a Florida man did this, this, and this.
1: Yes. So <laughs> I will say this, and I, I kid you not, Sherry was there with this. I we're we're driving to the barbecue the other day, and there's a dog, there's a weird dog on the street, right? Running rampant on the street. Rampant. And I wish I, I was on the phone, my work phone, and I wish I would have taken video of this because this really happened. A fat dude on one of those scooters, like oh. like chasing the weirder dog. While his wife was wearing a like one of those like uh, was trying to be Mumu, she was wearing Mumu, and the guys yelling at the scooter, get back here! And Sherry, who's driving the car, was like trying not to run over the dog because the dog went in the back, and the guys yelling at us to go, and it was so Florida Man moment. I was so stunned. <laughs> Sherry and I were both like, like, "That just happened. That just happened." That just happened, mm-hmm. so yeah, there was a lot of some <laughs> FWT moments, but I will say this: the one thing about the experience, about the nice. road trip that I will tell you, please go to Bucky's, Bussy. But bu- am I saying that correctly? Yeah, dude, <laughs> Bucky's, Bucky's is the best. Bucky's, that place is. I mean, you're, you're talking about the ultimate shine, shine ultimate example of consumerism 200 gas pumps gentlemen 200 gas pumps
3: do, do they need that many gas pumps is there that many people there getting gas
1: if you want to get def for your for your vehicle they you do that you can get charge stations for your tesla it was i mean at 5 i went i i got i left chattanooga i couldn't sleep because chattanooga was a halfway point i stopped in dalton I, I, i'm like stop at dalton it's 5 45 in the morning Keep in mind what time I stopped in there. Mm-hmm. It's 35 degrees in there. It's cold. I go inside. It's like, a, it's like a mall packed in the 80s. It was like people were 545 in the morning. And they had like yeah. an assembly line of people with their sandwiches making these brisket sandwiches and these tacos. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. I never – if you guys I, – I, like, I, I thought Bucky's was one of those places that people made a big deal and just come back with a stupid – logos thing i bought the shirt i bought a sticker i bought the nuggets those nuggets were delicious they taste like heaven um everything about that place just was it was like nothing i've ever been to in my entire life i
2: saw a story on uh, cbs sunday morning once about them but it was about the brisket in particular but the whole experience i mean it does look like a lot of fun uh, to break up your trip
0: yeah, I mean, it should be noted you were there at, what, like, 6 in the morning? Like, this wasn't, like, an afternoon thing where everything was yeah. bumping. Like, no, you got chicken nuggets at 6 in the morning at a yeah. glorified yeah. gas station. Like, that's yeah. amazing.
1: It, it was, like I said, it was nothing. I, I, I don't know. I was, I was telling Chris about it. Like, I was texting Chris at 7.30. I know Chris was getting up early. So they were like, like frankly, like, I had to tell somebody about it. I called, you know, I was like, because I couldn't believe what I just witnessed. And uh, yeah, so but uh, for the most part, going through the Smoky Mountains by yourself, driving by yourself is a really if you get a chance to do it at least once in your life for more than eight hours or 10 hours, by all means, do it helps mental clarity. And yeah, so nice.
0: So before we get into the I guess the nitty gritty of uh, spring training workouts, uh, we should probably go over the Tiger signing Gio or Shella to a one-year 1.5 million dollar contract um and there's incentives for plate appearances hit i think he gets like 100k at 500 plate appearances then another 100k at 550 um nothing crazy uh yeah geo urshela uh a big big name on the yankees past four years um and yeah Tigers has gone for 1.5 million to i guess uh come compete for the third base job uh what do you think about the signing chris i think you were the lowest on the signing from the <laughs> discord so
3: well yeah you know i mean i feel like we've we've brought him up before he, he's kind of one of the, the the fringe guys that was out there where you're wondering if he's going to get a major league deal um i don't i don't mind it he doesn't do a whole lot for me it feels like a redundancy in several areas uh I, I know you know it's it's interesting because people will talk about him being this this you know really great defender, and he does he'll make these spectacular plays. You'll see he makes a lot of highlight plays. I remember when he was on the Yankees, they're like, "Oh, we you know he's our solution at third base," uh, but then you know basically all the defensive metrics, uh, defensive run saves uh, saved thinks he's good, uh up, you know slightly above average since uh, twenty nineteen he's like what did I have I have it up here he's. Uh, plus 11 defensive run save, which is four better than Jose Ramirez and right near Alex Bregman, uh, with Cabrian Hayes being number one with 65, uh, but st- uh, outs above average considers considers him well below average in terms of, uh, defense. I think it's his range. He just apparently doesn't have a ton of range, but you know, once he gets to it, he gets everything. So maybe that's a good fit next to Javi Baez. Uh, it just feels a little bit to me, like, like a lot of insurance here. His insurance in case Matt Vierling uh, doesn't hit and isn't a third baseman. And in case Andy Abanez doesn't hit and isn't a third baseman. In case Zach McKinstry doesn't hit and isn't a third baseman. You've got another major league experienced option there. Uh, and, and there, you know, there's nothing wrong with average or adding uh, kind of average big leaguers or fringe average big leaguers. I just, it doesn't, I think, change the trajectory of the season in any way, really.
0: Yeah. 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 Um... Deadly Ninja Bees uh wanting to know uh Urshela's injury. He missed most of last year with a fractured pelvis. Um I think that was to end the year, right? I think he started the year fine yeah. and ended the year right. with a fractured pelvis. So um that's something to keep an eye on going into the year. Uh Youp, what was your reaction to the to the trade? Yeah, or, you know
2: the, the, the old saying, right? There's no bad one year contracts, so certainly gotta throw that in. It's dirt cheap, and that's fine too. It's, it's something the whole offseason has been built around, right? This, and we've said it numerous times, they had the 28th-ranked offense. He does not help the 28th-ranked offense get a whole lot better, right? Uh, Most likely. He's there to be depth and to play some defense. If he does mash lefties, that's great. That's a nice skill, and that can be something you can use. Um, But again, it's kind of been what the whole offseason is about for Scott Harris. They are putting a good floor in on the bottom of the roster, but they're not doing much to help the top end of the roster. We've said that many times, uh, but it just seems like Gio Urshela kind of at this point in his career, a dime a dozen player. And the, the contract kind of says that um, if he starts 40 or 50 games against lefties, that's fine. If he ends up starting 120, 130 games, that's a problem.
0: So that's yeah, I I'll agree with about. that. Um, deadly ninja bees again. Uh, is this Cesar Hernandez 24? Uh, probably not because uh, Hernandez was a minor league signing, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and this is a major league signing. Um, how it, about you, it, Raj? What was your? Sorry, go ahead, Chris.
3: Oh, sorry, I would, say, I would say it feels more like Wilson Ramos, this Wilson Ramos signing than than the Cesar Hernandez to me. You know, they had Ramos, they rostered him for a little bit, and then it was it Haas came up and was just hitting, so they're like, Yeah, all right, see you later. They, I think, it was two million dollars for Wilson Ramos, so uh, it's nice insurance. If he doesn't hit, they'll I don't think they'll hesitate to part with him early in the season, even. It's a very fungible contract, yes.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I look at it this way I mean, you, you're looking at you're taking a bats away from so you must it shows that perhaps they don't think Kreidler is ready to come back. Also, a guy who gets lost in the mix here is Andre Lipsius. I mean, he plays third base too, also plays first. I like the signing because it does give them depth, as you said. Um, gives them that bottom of the floor, if you will, and it kind of makes sure it shores up the defense a little bit on the left side. That being said, um, Kira will probably accept go down to the minors. That was something that, um, he's in camp too. And if he can be, I would love for him to be a pleasant surprise, but it's a lot of not, it's still a lot of what ifs. Versus knowns And at least with Geo you yeah, have somewhat of a known Track record For what he can do with a glove But Is it thinking that's going to move the needle Sure I mean look at compared to the rest of the AL Central I mean it's Buckus. I mean the rest of the AL Central's just You know dust bunnies at this point So they haven't really done anything So that being said it, it makes It's easy, easy to look good when no one else Has done anything don't get me wrong but at the same time, does help the Tigers shore up what they believe that they have at third base. And so, um, yeah, I, I, it, it's just a good for move for insurance purposes. By all means, I, I like it. One year, not a long commitment. And gives enough time to see what you have with with Young at third.
0: It's funny because I could see this being a move that the Royals made where we were like, wow, good job, Royals. You guys are doing something. But uh, yeah. the Tigers made the move. Yeah. Um, so, do we think this uh, affects uh, Justin Henry Malloy being 26 man, Ryan Kreidler in that conversation, Andre Lipsius in that conversation? What do you think, Raj?
1: I, I think so. I mean, Malloy is going to get more time in the outfield anyway, as uh, Harris indicated that, um, or Hinch started that with that. And so, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see more likely it's down to really Kreidler, McKenstrey. You know, you have this. Um, Mix there of these kind of like position player, or rather utility players. It's a battle of the utility players, and um, yeah, so it's. It, I think Henry if Malloy's gonna make this team. He's gonna have to make it as like a, a, a bat off the off the bench or outfield bat. So, I, but if I was if I was him, look honestly, if I'm the Tigers, he's a guy who needs regular at bats. So, um, I saw FanGraphs talk about how he's under like underrated prospect to, and there's something with his bat being said i don't want him to start the season toledo but if it's necessary i think there's gonna be another move that has to be facilitated with all this too I, uh, just there's too much utility guys there and i think one somebody has to go whether they trade it or not or just simply let him go harris has no love loss and he will do whatever he has to do to to finalize the roster
3: you know, I mean, we should we should talk about uh, that they made room for uh, Urshela by DFAing ing T.G. Hopkins, uh, Tiger's legend, who was, uh, I, I believe, on the roster yeah. for five days, six days after they had claimed Colton Ingram and, and DFA'd him. And this is, I, I think, and this extends to Kreidler and Lipsius and Malloy and all these other guys. We've talked about this a bunch is, is Scott Harris just seems to, to not mind at all having major league level players in the minors to him. I think that's a bonus. And, and, and I think we're conditioned to say, hey, this guy is ready for his chance at the big leagues. And that's not the way Scott Harris works. I think he wants, I think he'd love to have Ingram and Hopkins and Devin Sweet all in Toledo, all these guys who he thought enough of to claim. And now hopefully he can stash him in Toledo. And it's the same way with Kreidler. And all those other guys, just he likes to have these options. Uh, and I I, mean, I, I thought it was a, an uphill battle for Malloy heading into camp. Anyway, I, I, I don't know. I think we've talked about it before, but there's there are a lot of indicators there that that suggest that that he's got he's got a pretty um, small window to, to find success in the big leagues. Which is, I feel bad saying that because there there are things about him that you, you really like, and there's a chance that he could be a solid player, but. Um, yeah i don't know it just doesn't feel like a guy that they're they're ready to go out there and make a regular and so they'd rather have him getting steady at bats in toledo than than part-time play in the big leagues you know they're, they're more than happy to have Ursula on the bench uh, and they want Malloy to play more often
0: you you have uh you have any thoughts on Urella being 26 man
2: <clears throat> i think that you know given his track record given the length of his career uh, as long as he's fully healthy i would assume um, he's been brought in, he will be on the roster. Uh, how that shakes out with everybody else, uh, hard to say at this time. But, yeah, it, it's it's always seemed like Malloy is on the outside looking in for this spring. I think he needs to go to Toledo and do what he did last year, hit the snot out of the ball in April and May, and see if he forces their hand into something.
0: Uh, didn't hear Badu mentioned as twenty six man. Um, I think we all agree that just too many lefties in the outfield, um, Carpenter – uh, Meadows and Green, um, so yeah,
3: yeah. Just along, but along the lines of Badu, like you know, we, we already thought he was kind of the odd man out, anyway, right? And in in this Urshela signing makes it basically 13 big leaguers, 14 big leaguers for 13 spots, and Badu seems like the odd man out. Um, there is a small possibility; it seems highly remote that Matt Verling <laughs> could head back to Toledo. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, uh, you know. With, with given all the lefties, it would be nice to have a right-handed bat. But he does have an option remaining, I believe. So there's a possibility there. I think, I think Harris just likes to have depth, and and somebody's going to get injured, and yeah. maybe these things take care of themselves. And Malloy's playing in Detroit because they need him, uh, and I think that's the way that uh, Scott Harris prefers it. Other than you know promoting Colt Keith and, and securing him a spot, he wants these guys to be available uh, for, uh, at a you know as needed basis.
1: And Hinch likes platooning, and so this makes a lot of sense because. Geo does hit against lefties very well. And so I think with that in mind, with that proven track record, that that's going to help make the decision easier because Malloy doesn't really have that. And so that's where they're going to try to get this is this is a young team in general. So I think the reason why people are this just okay with it, uh, as Paul said in the chat, is because the bat. I mean, the Tigers need another bat. I mean, that we saw this earlier in the, in the chat with Bring in JD Martinez, but you see what the free agent market's going on right now. One thing that I wanted to mention real quick is the Marlins signed Tim Anderson. I mean, to really below average. I mean, they yeah. really, really put the screws of Tim Anderson, and that was kind of like either take it or leave it, or you know, and that was it. And I, Tim Anderson, the guy won Ben I mean, the guy has won a batting crown, and this guy gets anyway. But my point is it could be the same thing with JD Martinez too. Now it's going to be one of those things where now any team is expected to have an opportunity. And so with Detroit, this isn't, this is for them a good way to not only quote purpose of PR, but it gives them that veteran bat that, you know, for sure is going to give you production.
0: All right. Um, Let's uh, go ahead and move on to Tiger's first spring training game this Saturday. Um, AJ Hinch said that Reese Olsen, Mason Ingler and Brant Herter will uh, be some of the guys throwing Saturday. I assume there will be more than those three guys. Um, and I guess let's talk about uh, the pitchers first with Live BP. Um, I'm thinking: Do we want to talk about Scubel hitting 100 in his live BP or Mize uh, giving up a few home runs during his live BP? Um, do you guys have any issue with Bowl hitting 100 in his live BP? I,
1: I, I think I think we're make I, I think it's just a, a byproduct of him working out in the offseason really well. But I'm not going to make much of it because. We made remember. No one made a big deal about that, but we all made a big deal when Michael Fulmer was throwing eighty nine early on before he started getting his (laughs) miles per hour. So I'm not going to make a big deal of it. What I am encouraged to see though is Brent Hurdler getting out there early on. This is a guy who last year pitched thirteen scoreless innings. Well, we're going to talk about the uh, Todd. We're going to talk about the jerseys. We're definitely going to be talking about the. (laughs) Definitely going to be talking about that. There's a lot to talk about that a little later, but um, Brad Hurdler. Is really impressed by Hinch has been impressed by him and rightfully so. He's been his work, his work, rec, uh, his he was a workhorse for year last year. It's good to see him getting in there. And Mason Angler, by the way, lost weight very really skinny dude, but he looked different. Like, it, it, I don't know if you guys saw him during batting practice, but I took a couple pictures of him and I didn't even recognize him. It took me a second to realize who it was. Mm-hmm. Um. He's looked pretty good early on in camp. And, and Olsen, same thing. But I think this is a good opportunity to see the, t- the Tigers have on the back end of their rotation. So, um, but I, I definitely would love to see what they're going to do with Hurdler uh, going forward. And I know p- probably going to see him start the year at Erie, more than likely. But I'm interested to see how it does against the, hopefully, what we get him against the first uh, run against the Yankees. A bat look good, like, terms of facing the crops of Yankee hitters
2: so here's a dumb question <laughs> but when he when when Scooble hits a 100 and so on over the years has the technology gotten better where there's no such thing as a quote unquote hot gun anymore I mean is it pretty more is it more universal uh than it used to be
1: Chris I mean at West Michigan for example I think West Michigan was a prime example of a hot gun but I think it's gotten better hasn't it
3: yeah, I mean, these are all, you know, Trekman, Edgertronic, Repsoto, you know, stuff. Now that that's where they're getting those. Uh, I'm sure that there are still, you know, miscalculations and and uh, and alignment issues. And and honestly, sure. you know, J.J. Cooper wrote an article, I think, about the differences in how fastballs are even measured now, whereas they used to be measured kind of halfway between the plate or as they cross the plate, and now they're measured basically right out of the pitcher's hand, and that it makes it seem partially like guys are throwing tons and tons harder i think the average fastball is much harder now but there may have been guys throwing pretty damn hard back in the day like you know nolan ryan um i you know i i saw some some people worry that it's too early to be throwing that hard and you know velocity spikes are an indication of potential injury and i you know i think a guy was uh probably It seems funny, but to to get out there and face batters for the first time in spring training, I bet you there was more adrenaline than you'd think. Uh, And and it wouldn't shock me if he settles down a bit. It is not really flirting with triple digits maybe until the middle of the season again.
2: Now, today also, the quotes from Mize, you know, I've talked about his fastball in the past and what I think of it from watching, and again, just watching on television, which doesn't make me an expert. But I really liked how he talked about some of the changes he's been making and what he's seeing, hoping his fastball will become more of a weapon because then we got something to talk about.
0: Yeah, to Uh, uh, read that whole quote, uh, Casey Mize said today – this is from Cody Stavenhagen. um, Casey Casey Mize said today he's getting around 18 inches of induced vertical break compared to about 15 inches in the past. Casey Mize, quote, we just think the fastball up can be – can be more of a weapon um and said it should pair well with a splitter but Mize also talked about pairing pairing it with his curveball so um, yeah. i believe i believe today's uh live bp was his first live bp i don't remember if he threw one last year before he got shut down um definitely first one of the spring though yeah i don't think yeah. so
1: He threw against live... I think he threw against a couple live batters at Comerica Park before they shut it down, though. I'm Hmm. pretty sure. Um, Maybe he did, but no. And here's another thing I noticed about him, too, today. It could be just the way is... And I wrote about this on Motor City Bengals. Before he came to the set, like this, his hands are now lowered a little bit, and he was pitching... Looked like he was pitching from the stretch exclusively, but... Looked like his wind up was a little different. The way he was planting his foot down, and one of the things he had talked about was getting a bigger glove because the analytic department told him to. He, he a has cool a point. he's still, and I know I went so I went around. I looked around the locker room just did a quick glance, and most pitchers have three. Him and Maya both have four. So if you notice here, look how his when he comes to the set. You'll see here in a second, um, and notice where his glove is right there when it comes to the set, right there, right there the belt. Before in 2022, it was a higher set, and his, you can tell right, I mean, again, this could be just him doing batting practice, could not be his full set, but it looks completely different. It looks his, his pitching, his windup, his follow-through command, command looks a little different, or excuse me, his mechanics look a little different. They've been tweaking it a little bit. So, but yeah, he was talking about his glove Anyways, getting back to the glove and he's still breaking them in because with a bigger glove, it allows him to hide what he's going to throw. And so him and Maeda both who throw splitters. Um, there could be a reason for that. So anyway. But yeah, if you look at his windup for 2022 and I posted it on, on the article, you can tell the subtle differences there. And with that fastball, that kind of ride, what's going to happen is. You throw that split finger, and that's just going to change the eye level so quickly and so drastically. So, that's a good thing to have, and you can tell, like, yeah, he's going to get used. to that. I know Somebody mentioned to the hench, yelled him like, "Hey, you know, you get in trouble for that." Yeah, yeah. the pitch the clock. So, yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, to, to you's you point about the fastball. I mean, the fifteen inches of IVB is is generally considered kind of the dead zone you want either higher 18 to 20 or lower like 12 or below would be more of a sinker and 15 is just kind of exactly where the hitters expect it to be, which is kind of what we saw at times with, with Mises fastball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, to, to hit what he said, you know, it's going to help play the splitter play up because of the, the differences between, you know, the, the movement there, but also it's kind of, he, he mentioned the curveball. That's kind of the traditional Astros model, right? is a high spin four seam fastball at the top of the zone and, and a, downer curve that's kind of it got in vogue so much that i you know pitchers don't really do it as much anymore but um if they think it could work for him i'm sure that that would be helpful and uh we've seen and, and we've heard mys talk before he's a smart guy about all this stuff he's in into this stuff and so he's going to try to maximize himself i thought my initial reaction watching this was that maybe he'd shorten his arm action a little bit and the delivery looks a little smoother to me i think there's still a little bit too much stress on his arms it th- feels like his his uh, legs get out front, and then he's kind of whipping his arm around. But it it looks better to me. Um, and honestly, it's just nice to see him up pitching in full strength, right? And in, in what looks yep. to be uh, pretty good velocity.
2: There's so the range of of outcomes. Obviously, it can go anywhere, right? He's he's had it, that's a ma- still a major surgery. Uh, we don't know if he's just going to be mediocre. Uh, if he's going to attain the same level we saw in his one season full season, or as I've speculated about in the past, are we going to see the guy? Maybe we've never seen the fully healthy Casey Mize, because if we do, and if that fastball is playing up, and they find you no know, better use of his splitter, man, if we see a level of Casey Mize that we never really saw even pre-draft, uh, then hell's coming to breakfast for the AL Central. I mean, that, that could be that could be pretty nice. So that's that's a legit possible outcome. So that's really one of the big things to watch this year.
1: So if you combine that with that kind of spike curve he has too, I mean, he throws like a slide that spikes. They have classified, I think, as a slider too, according to baseball savant. I, yeah. If again, this is all making sure that he stays healthy, but the key thing is right there. I mean, it it's staying consistent with that same kind of movement. With your your split finger looks exactly like your fastball coming off your hand, and so mm-hmm. that that. Right there is such a great way to get those strikeouts right numbers up there. Go up, go down, with just precision, and then you'll be fine. And so I, I just think Todd, you can go. Go ahead, I'm sorry,
2: I'm sorry. Todd sixty three. Hats off to him. He got the uh, he got the Josie Wales connection on Hell's coming for breakfast.
3: I was I was curious what that was from. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard of that law, Josie Wales, but I didn't. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, you know, we, we talk about this just about every week, but it's it's even with my eyes being, you know, and, and it looks like that fastball, I mean, that's Javi Baez, but it looks like that fastball uh, has has some more zip to it and carry through the zone at the, at the top. Um, but it, no matter what, we we really don't know how many innings he's going to throw. And that that will ultimately be, uh, you know, a big factor in the season. If they you know, let him loose and he goes 120, 150 innings and he's pitching well, then yeah. Things uh, could change drastically, but...
0: Okay, it, it,
3: it's, yeah, that was a nice uh, nice breaking ball right there. I don't know if it's a slider or the, the knuckle curve or what, but it's... Yeah, I, it, and you talked about, Raj, I think, earlier, is that that they, at this point in spring training, the hitters are, are well behind the pitchers. You know, they've hardly seen any live pitching, and the pitchers have been warming up, and they're getting close to their ideal stuff, so it's tough to judge too much, but uh, I don't know. It's been fun seeing these these videos. Uh, the other day, what did we get? We got Brent Herter we had school who else was Olson was out there pitching right yeah,
0: yeah Englert. Engler. P- pitched um i guess uh should be noted that bias did take uh did take him deep i believe in this uh first at bat of his nice um
1: was that talked about on twitter cuz i don't remember seeing that i
0: i did i did make sure to make a comment saying asking the bias haters uh what they what they thought of this right here i can't tell if it, oh was gone i think it hit the seats um
3: that's tough to tell
0: but i i do like that he did come back and made javi chase and i guess that's javi being javi but uh that fast that fastball right there was uh good to see
1: yeah and by the way that splitter's i think the splitter's coming back slowly but surely it's going to be incorporated in that but as i asked hinch if a splitter has a lot of strain on the armor to cause a lot of injuries because that's been kind of a known myth. But he's, he said, No, so yeah, that's yeah, that's the pitch right there. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to make too much out of the, the hitter, like just again, it, it's just good to see him out there. Period. I mean, last year he shut it down early and just was kind of over it, but this year it's coming out and there you go, just dealing. It's just bad in practice again, it doesn't mean anything till Saturday. Like even Saturday doesn't mean anything for people, let's be honest here, but still it's just the drill this the, the having the drills in the various fields too. The first day they had it because of rain in the backfield, so it was nice to get out to the main field this week.
3: You know, I, I haven't um it's early enough yet that it doesn't really matter, but I haven't heard anything about Matt Manning at all. Yeah. Is, uh, is he yeah, milling Matt's about? Is so- has, has he been doing you know backfield throwing?
1: Yeah, he's been doing a lot of backfield throwing. He's been doing a lot of just random drills. I haven't seen him on outside of just he's been working on some back, just basically in the backfield, like backfields, is that's where I've seen, he was doing a uh, I think I was in the line Chris when I sent you the picture, but he was doing drills, doing the pick the second, pick the first Oh, gotcha, in the yeah. backfield. So that's, but other than yeah. that, I haven't seen him on the mainfields yet, so
3: And then you had, so you sent me some video, or you sent us all some video of of, uh, Maeda doing the weighted ball thrown against the wall, which is, uh, there was a fun clip there too, where, you know, you guys were, the scrum was asking Hinch about Maeda, and he said that, you know, he was talking to him and discussing his process, and he's talked, he said he talked to him about sneaking a first pitch strike with a curveball, and Maeda was like, yeah, but, you know, Torque put one in the upper deck when I tried that, so maybe (laughs) not too much. And I was like, well, that's fun that he remembers
1: that. Yeah, there's, like I said, the, the, the vibe in camp has been a lot, a lot more chill than it was last year. I mean, this is it's really on early impressions. Everybody seems to be um, laid back with that, but it's so. It's my attitude too. Like, just a lot of people are not used to seeing the Japanese uh, media following around. So, no.
0: hey, um, I don't think there is much else uh, in terms of pitchers. Um, I knew Andrew Chafin seemed to be chatty while throwing live BP, um, talking crap to, to to everyone he faced. Oh, legend! Um, by the
1: way, he double—he was—he had two beers in his hand during the barbecue. Whether he was double-fisting or not, is, I don't know, but it, it, yeah, legend. Just two beers in his hand. Sounds so,
0: all right. You know, Every to go off on, on a. To go off on a side tangent, uh, Andrew or Anthony Rendon um, had that weird comment um, about about family, faith being first in his life, which I don't think anyone anyone disagrees with that. But but the the way he talked about baseball and how he hates baseball and how it's just a job to him, it made me think of Andrew Chafin, who Andrew Chafin very clearly isn't like, doesn't love baseball. He's, I, to, I guess he does to a certain extent. He does love being out there and playing, but uh, it's clearly a job to him. He'd rather much be at, be back at his farm. But I mean, Andrew Chaffin is actually in the best shape of his life. He talked about weightlifting for the first time, wanting to drop weight for the first time. Like he wants to keep going out there and competing. And it's just uh, funny hearing uh, Rendon's comments about hating baseball, and then seeing other people who don't have baseball as a fa- first priority still going out there competing. People you want to play next to, people you like, can trust being on your team and putting in their full effort. So, yeah, you know, for know.
1: a guy who's a man of God, he's angry at the fans a lot. I mean, there, yeah. was, a, there was a video of him last year, or the year before, yeah. going after fans for talking about him. Like, calm down, dude calm for a man of god chill well,
3: so here's the like i i have no particular fondness for anthony rendon he was a great player when he was healthy uh but i also know that this this aspect of his personality was known uh when he was still with the nets i mean that was a big part of like i don't know signing him in a free agent deal and so i mean part of me is is like well angels you, you got like you should have done more research or you should have known like this is a, a potential thing that's going to happen. Uh, and, and, you know, we talk about you know, as fans, we think about like, ah, you know, you got the easiest job in the world. You just go out there and play. Well, there's so much more to it to be in a you know professional athlete shape and to be out there and to be able to face live pitching. And if your heart's not into playing baseball, you know, practicing for five hours a day before your three to four hour game, uh, it's, I, I, you know, I don't think you can get that back. I, I I mean, that might just be a totally sunk cost for the angels, but I also kind of understand it. Like, yeah, if you don't love baseball to kind of an insane degree, then you're probably not fit for the major leagues anymore. And once you reach a certain age, your body might not be able to handle it anyway.
2: That's exactly what I was going to say. If you have that aloofness about it, you're, when you're in your twenties, your natural skills can carry you through probably no problem. But once you start to diminish in any appreciable sense, and you don't have the drive to stay where you were, then you're likely to start seeing some issues. And I'm sure that's where yeah. he's going to be.
1: I d- then I just see somebody like Alan Trammell out there in the fields, yeah. still taking grounders.
3: Just, yeah, yeah. Taking every grounders time we see him.
1: And, yeah, and I'm not kid- like Chris and I have seen him in er- almost every time we've gone to Erie. Alan Trammell's been there almost every time.
3: Or West and, Michigan or Toledo, and he's yeah. usually on the field taking grounders yeah. and talk- like he's yeah.
1: He is literally, but he is taught. I mean, he is barking at people, all that the entire time. It's not just for show. Mm-hmm. Alan Trammell, like, I mean, this is in his guy's in his sixties, I think, and he's still going out there. So it depends on. I'm not gonna poo-poo Rondone for that necessarily, but dude, if you don't want to be there, just don't. Don't be there, but just don't. Like, just to sit there and mail it in, and just you know, <clears throat> well. Has to be a dick.
2: I mean, all the checks are going to clear.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I, I I personally, I think he's doing it to torture Sam Bloom, the former Angel. Like the the whole media, the media uh, experience with Angel players out there is just something else. That's all I'm going to say.
0: And and adding on to people, players with bad attitudes. uh, Eric Hosmer retired, so got that going for us.
3: (laughs) We'll miss him yeah you Happy know trips. that you know he was he was one of the guys that I, I when when you know launch angle first became a thing i'm like you know if that guy would ever learn to launch the ball cuz he hit the ball hard all the time um but and it, it just you know he just had the the terrible attitude about all that and was always overrated as a defender Overrate yeah. – like It's. it's, it's, I guess it must be different when you're in the clubhouse, right? Because remember Jim Leland played him, started him for the World Baseball Classic over Paul Goldschmidt. Considered Hosmer the better player. Uh, Now part of that might be Jim Leland's old school mentality and maybe Hosmer is that kind of player. But um, yeah, it, it was always kind of funny that I think anybody who was into advanced stats at the time when he signed with Pat San Diego were like, oh boy, that's going to be rough. (laughs) And that's the way it worked out. I don't think he provided any value for the Padres other than a sort of sonic value of them going out and signing a big free agent, you know, the the Pudge Rodriguez effect that we talk about here. Uh, But yeah, yeah, no, he, uh, that career did not go great because he was a deeply flawed flawed player that kind of, uh, I don't know, Got, got rode the last wave of people not understanding that. So the Steiner brought like that. <laughs> the Steiners. A, like, does does Cameron have any idea who the Steiners are?
0: Nope. No. I'm just okay. laughing to be a part of the joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they were. Uh, was it Scott and who?
1: Rick Scott and um, Rick, Rick. Rick. So Steiners. they were actually yeah.
3: they were they were legitimate like. I don't know if they, you know, won national championships, but they were college wrestlers for University of Michigan, I believe. Yep. Uh, and then they w- went on to become pro wrestlers and, and kind of giant beefcake, buffed out, like steroid-looking wrestlers. So, well, I, well I one
1: of them, them Scott did. Scott became a yeah. real big Papa Pump. Happened, Was that his? Yeah, big Papa Pump. But this is these are the Steiner brothers right here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah, they were great. Yeah. The old classic WCW guys. I yeah they I, don't uh, Hall
0: of Fame. I, I made I, a comment saying he looks like uh, Sam LaPorta when he's in the batter's box, he just looks like a tight end.
3: It it's so I mean this is one of those things and, and this is where we get to toot our own homers a little bit right as the minor guys who cover the minor leagues where It's it's, right there. It's, yeah. it's there you go. Like it's fun, it's fun slash funny seeing you know everybody, and it's just natural in spring training, right? But everybody write these like glowing articles about Justice Bigby and Brent Herter and stuff, and we're like, hey, we were telling you guys about that about eight yeah. months ago, ten months ago. Um, Same. <laughs> and, and the thing with Colt Keith, and I think it's gonna, I, I think it's gonna surprise people when they actually see him play, is despite that size, and they think he's a big beefy dude, he's actually a pretty damn good athlete. He's close to an average runner. He might be above average underway. He moves pretty well. Uh, now, you know, when you're that big and muscular at this age, there's a chance that he stiffens up pretty quickly, but uh, I think at least early on, people are going to be a little bit surprised by how well he moves.
0: Yeah. Raj, you want to comment on, uh, Keith being at second base, how he looks, anything you notice? I think
1: he, I think he, his big frame, honestly, he, he was able to, on some of the videos I posted, he was able to turn the double play just fine. I think as Chris alluded to, he's correct. He moves very well for his size. That quick first step uh, was able to his footwork too at second base, pretty good. So I'm not his big frame. I mean, I I look at guys like he reminds me of. um, I'm trying to think of like another example. Like it's just a big body second. I mean, look at look at a guy like um, Ed Rutschman. I mean, that guy's huge. I mean, some of these guys are like. It's becoming, to me, almost – the second baseman are not the five nine five eight guys that you're used to seeing anymore. I think these guys are becoming more better, well-conditioned athletes. And so, I mean, we've seen Keith play since West Michigan at second base. So, to me, this is nothing different than what I'm used to seeing anyway. He's just a little bigger. I mean, he's slimmed down. I mean, remember the year before when we interviewed him, Chris, he was – now he's a little slimmed down a little bit.
3: Well, and I think part of that, you know, if you go to the Fangraphs, the Fangraphs prospect profile of of Colt Keith, he talks about him being super bulky and not agile. And and that's what he looked like in the AFL, which is when Eric Longhagen saw him. Uh, I'm not saying that he hasn't seen him since then, but if he has, it's probably just small amounts of video. And and he did. He dropped weight. He's never going to be, you know, Don Kelly thin. Right. But Mm -hmm. like Jonathan Scope was so much larger than people realize like that was he was the one the few times I went down to the field he's I think he's listed at like 6'1 250 but he was I felt like he was probably 6'3 and and every bit of 250 Uh, and so like you just didn't realize it because he he moved pretty well up until the end um uh so yeah I mean it's it's not crazy and you know Jeff Kent back in the day was a pretty big second baseman I believe uh it's you can make it work it's you know in in the Days with the shift ban it's not quite as easy to hide guys there but uh, you know I think Max Muncie was playing second base some not that long ago Uh, Nolan Gorman isn't although I saw saw a report that Nolan Gorman lost I think 10 or 20 pounds by cutting out his favorite popcorn so I don't know if he was just eating that that Costco crack or what but uh, that's just kind of a funny one of the funnier best shape of his life stories I've seen but yeah like I nobody's saying that Colt Keith's gonna be a gold glove winner he may ultimately be a below-average defender, but I think he's going to be playable there.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to be fine. I really think he's going to be fine. And and Detroit generator brings up a good point. Giant Peralta wasn't a small shortstop. Scope was a big guy. When you saw Scope in the locker room, same thing. I'm not – I'm trying to think of, like, Dan Ugla was a big guy. I mean, he was – I mean, he was more upper body strength. He was a short guy, but
2: – Like Marcus Semien, right? I mean, he's yeah. a pretty big dude. He's playing second and short.
1: Yeah. I mean, look at Alex Rodriguez. I mean, he was not the typical shortstop st- st- short when he started playing the position. So, again, uh, I, mean, yeah. I think it's... What would you say, Chris? Oh, I mean,
3: you know, A-Rod and like Tulewitzki and, and Cal Ripken, those were like, you know, th- those are you know, the, the A- A1 examples of like, you know, big no, guys playing saying. premium defense. But yeah, it can be done. Guys-wise,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah I do <laughs> I grew up on Placio Blanco and Omar Infante and these small stubby guys over at second base. So, uh, seeing Cole Keith yeah, kind of looks weird over there. The,
3: the Craig Biggio types. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was for a long time. That was, I don't know. Baseball had these roles, right? It was, uh, Juan Samuel playing second base or, or like Altuve, these, these little guys who were going to bat second in the lineup and bunt. And, uh, they're just not really that way anymore. And, and, like I said, you know, that they're going to they're they're going to lose some defense by playing Colt Keith at second, but they need bats in the lineup and he's got a chance to be a good one. So, I I don't think it's going to be a death knell to their defense or anything like that.
1: Since one is is we're, were we trying to nitpick a guy being too big for this team.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. They're an athlete, you know, they're an athlete.
3: You know, and and uh you know, not to just continue to talk about this, but you know, Grayson Griner, no one had ever seen a 6 foot 6 catcher. And he ended up being okay defensively, right? Like he was enormous, but he ended up being just fine. Now, he wasn't much of a hitter, and that didn't work out. But you know, just let's let him go out there and, and prove prove us wrong before we get worried about his defense,
1: or, or, or prove us or prove us right. I mean, that's what I'm. Well,
3: thinking. yeah, but.
1: Sorry.
0: <clears throat> hey, so oh,
2: oh I'm sorry.
0: Go ahead. No, go ahead. Youp.
2: Well, this recently this week they traded, made a small trade with San Diego for Blake Dickerson, the left-hander. So I found that trade to be very interesting, despite the low stakes, (laughs) you know, because the guy was a 12th round pick last year, but he got $500,000, which is more than they're supposed to be paid unless there's money left over from their bonus pool, right? For the, for the Padres. And it turns out $500,000. If you look at last year's draft is roughly the equivalent of a fourth round Uh, late in the fourth round draft pick uh, with bonus slot. So in some respects, they viewed him as a fourth, fifth round talent. And to make this trade, you got to believe Detroit had him pretty heavily scouted. Otherwise, why would they have pursued this, right? Because he didn't pitch as a pro after the draft. So Detroit must like him. They gave away $500,000 of international bonus money. Is it too optimistic to say they added a fourth round draft pick in some sense to their coffers to their organization.
3: No, I I mean I wouldn't say so. I I think that's that's kind of the way I look at it. Um, it's you know the, the Tigers themselves took kind of an interesting tall prep pitcher in the twelfth round in, in Andrew Dunford. Uh, they only paid him three hundred and seventy thousand dollars or so, which is still yeah, it's still like sixth round money and. You know, we don't have to get in all the the specifics of it, but teams will do that because you get like the first $150,000 is essentially free. So they're instead of paying a guy 350,000 in the the fifth or sixth round, you pay him 500,000 and and it works out that way. Um, and yeah, it's definitely an interesting move. It's the sort of stuff that we used to complain, or at least I used to complain about Alavila. There was a lack of creativity, lack of moves like this, just spending money or moving money around to get more talent. And, um, you do you do kind of wonder like you know if San Diego spent half a million dollars on this guy why are they already giving up on him before they ever saw him. My next question. <laughs> um sometimes that happens. I I think uh, uh infamously the Dodgers got rid of Jordan Alvarez before he ever played for them because they needed who was who was that reliever they got? Josh uh, Fields. Josh Fields, yes, the yeah. the former uh, Mariners first round pick, I think. Uh so sometimes teams just are like you know, you know, they don't like him that much. The the other aspect of it is that the Padres have done quite well on the international market, particularly these last couple of years. That you know, Ethan Salas two years ago, this this Devries kid is supposed to be outstanding. The one they got this year, so they may have just outstanding connections on the international market, and they may have a guy there that they really love mm-hmm. and they think that can have a huge ceiling. That and and the the other thing, and we see this sometimes, is they may have gotten sniped. Uh, You know, they may have been saving money for a prep player that they were trying to push to the 10th, 11th, 12th round and somebody else took him. And so they go, well, we've got this extra money. (laughs) Who who do we sort of like? And they go, well, we kind of like Blake Dickerson. And so they give him money and they go, hey, we don't really like him that much. It's no big deal. You know, it it could be a little bit all that. But um, I think it's an exciting move for the Tigers. And it's another guy that I'm looking forward to see in the next year or two. I mean, he's a big, lanky kid. Um, You know, you, you can you can dream on him. And guys like this, they don't necessarily work out much. But uh, if it doesn't, it's not a huge deal, right? It's money that they apparently weren't going to spend in the international market.
1: And look yeah. at this way. I was going to say, if you look at it this way, from a sense of arms down below double A, this just gives them another. They don't really have a lot of lefties down mm-hmm. past that. I mean, if you look at terms of, if you look at it from a starter pers- perspective, mm-hmm. down to Lakeland start the year, it's really slim. So it just gives them another lefty. Either however they see fit, whether it's the bullpen or starting, uh, starting wise. So uh, I like that aspect of it because otherwise it could have just been another, they just could took another flyer on the free agent that they were just flipped around two months later. But this gives them at least a younger arm to look at and shape and, and work with.
2: It's just one video, but basically, this is a hit the mascot video here. He was all over.
3: Yeah, I mean it's you know it's I think they's he was sitting low nineties and they he's got a apparently a above average slider potential and but yeah to Roger's point like in the draft last year they added Paul Wilson but they added like five or four or five other high school pitchers and he's gonna be with that group of uh, you know Jake Diaz and and Andrew Dunford I mentioned and uh, Jonathan Rogers a couple other interesting young arms it'll just be fun to see them see what the development staff can do with these young. Moldable pieces of clay. It was, we haven't seen that a lot, you know. A lot of the pitchers that have come through the system, aside from Job, are all college guys, and and they've tweaked them and made them better. But as we saw with Job, uh, sometimes with those high school guys, they can get light years better very quickly. So I, I'm excited to see what happens with this kid if he's healthy. I, I I thought there was some concern. I don't think he pitched after he signed last year, and I don't know if there was an injury there or what. But uh, I don't think they would trade for him if he was, you know, crucially injured.
1: Right. Yeah, as far as his velocity right now, I'm not worried about it because the kid's out of high school, so, I mean, his velocity will increase. You're hoping his velocity will increase, um, so I'm, I'm not worried about it.
3: Yeah, in, in a frame like that, he's going to add 20, 30 pounds probably at least and, uh, you know, maximizing the delivery, yeah, you, would, you wouldn't be shocked to see him sitting in the mid-90s later, and, and you know, sometimes guys don't ever throw harder, but uh, what with modern training techniques, I'd be shocked if he's not Yeah.
1: No, it's a good it's a good investment long
3: term. And he's from uh, Virginia Beach, where my family resides, my extended family. So, I'll be pulling for him, for no reason really. (laughs) I've heard because he's from a place I've heard of. (laughs) Yes, I like it. Um, you know, oh yeah, go ahead, Cameron.
0: I was just going to move on to uh, batting batting practice. What we've what has Raj seen from BP? All right, perfect.
1: Yeah, in terms of uh, batting, in terms of, like I said, batting practice, just bats are still a little behind. Um, Riley Green got some extended action out there uh, first day, second day. But other than that, it's just been really seeing the first group. I didn't go, like I said earlier today, I didn't get a chance to go today, but I'm going back tomorrow. So tomorrow, Scott Harris is meeting with everybody, and then about I'm not sure when that's going to be, but there'll be some Scott Harris stuff tomorrow morning. Same thing with Hinch before. They had the golf outing today, but um, yeah, there's going to be holding a meeting. Uh, Harris is going to hold a course. So I'm assuming to talk about the Geo signing, but uh, they'll be at 845 tomorrow. So just as a heads up, uh, for anybody who is on Twitter or X, I'll be throwing some stuff out there.
0: All right. So Javi Baez isn't going to be hitting left handed.
1: Yeah, that... yeah. So yeah. Okay. Thank you for yeah, thank you for Javi Baez is not gonna be hitting left. He was doing it to fool around. Calm down. Uh there's this thing, it's just it's I, I I'm really again, I cannot stress you enough. Batters are gonna be behind. But there are mm-hmm. people to say that Javi Baez is already mid season form. Come on, man. I mean, it's just look. I know that people have problems with Baez. I get it. I get it. But it's the first week of spring training. It's not even. The, it's not even March first. Give the guy a break. Good lord. I mean, come on. It's just. I, everybody's gonna look for anything to pick on Baez, and you know what, man. I, I honestly,
0: <laughs> those
1: at bats, you can highlight. You can you can look at the whole at bats in general. There's more than just those two pitches he swung at. So don't don't look at a clip on Twitter and just go, "Oh, sucks." mid season form. He's doing he's kind He's showing up early, and people are still bitching. Like, shut up. Just. You can have your opinions, and I'm not trying to make fun of fans because I'm not going to do my fan voice. Old BK is absolutely right. Everybody really hates when I do the do do voice, but it's not that. It's by a, It's spring training. It's spring training. Are you going to remember this if he's doing this on April 22nd in a big game? By all means, go knock yourself out. Then you'll get mad. Everybody you get mad then in a big situation. Actually, you know, I'll take that back. If it's a if he's doing this in September, then you can get really mad. In April, still kind of like, okay, you can get frustrated. But the narrative on 97.1, you know that's what they're going to be talking about. It's just this. It's just, here we go again, buyers. It's, you know two four eight. It's just, it's it's predictable. Rinse and repeat. Seriously.
3: You know, one thing I'll say, um, and I, I didn't, I don't know if I, anybody else said it, but, you know, I, I went down to a handful of games last year in, in like a reporter capacity, just kind of, you know, hanging out. And got on the field and and Javi Baez was taking left-handed BP then. The final round of BP. It was I remember because it was the day it was it's Jonathan Scope's last game. I was watching BP.
1: Oh, yeah, three. In the, yeah,
3: final, the final round, final Javi round. was hitting left-handed. And he said, you know, later, I guess when somebody asked him about it, he said, Yeah, it helps him loosen his back. It's something he's he's done for a while. I don't think he does it every game, but this is nothing particularly new about it. And I've heard of players doing this before. Stephen Moya used to take right-handed BP in the minors, at least. And, you know, he was a lefty. And, and I think sometimes it's just something guys do for fun. Again, these guys are practicing <laughs> like eight hours a day. <laughs> so let them have a little bit of fun, or else they're going to hate their job like Anthony Rendon. <laughs>
2: well, no, how, old right? how old is Mayas? Right? He's 29? 30? Just turned 30.
0: Just yeah. turned 30.
2: You know he's two years removed from that second half at the Mets, right? When he was all world. I mean, he played his ass off and he was hitting great. So we're two years out from that. Now that's a long time and he is on the, just barely on the wrong side of 30, but here's what I'm thinking. Does he still have the ability to pull off, say a five or six week hitting bender like Jonathan scope did a couple of years ago? Cause if Jonathan scope can do it, I actually think Bobby Baez could do it, and if you got like a five or six week heater from him, someone like him, that's enough to make a big difference in a season. You know, I I don't think anybody's looking for 162 games of of excellence from him, uh, but if he got hot like he's capable of for a month, uh, that makes a difference in what this team really can do.
0: I mean, I think he had a stretch at the end of 22 where he was hitting like 120 WRC plus over like a two-month stretch. So I think he's definitely capable of that.
1: He's definitely capable of it. And look, Richard's point, yes, he has, I mean, two bad years from him, absolutely. You can sit there and say that. The When he happens, when you suck for two straight years, again, defensive metrics, whatever you want, His in terms of his back, issues that people don't know about, Has it been somebody, Woodward Sports tagged us, tagged the Tiger Valley report with him and Josh Smith being the worst contracts in Detroit history. Uh, Stop.
3: How soon do we forget Jordan Zimmerman?
1: Yes. Exactly. The worst of Vila
0: contract. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's exactly my point. Like, I understand what Woodward Sports is trying to do there. They took a, a guy who was trending and they put it with another random guy that had a bad contract. I get it. I know what you're trying to do there. But you I mean, Hatcher, yeah. but you get compare like yeah, Darian Hatcher. Oh, that's another good one. Dean Palmer. I can go on and on and on about these bad contracts. It's come on. I mean, it's just like Josh Smith and Javier. Oh man, I I don't know. Well, I'm not. I'm just. I'm, I'm just gonna wait. I'm gonna wait till he does the regular season, and then wait till the regular season. See what he does then, and then then bash the guy. But for spring training.
3: No, I mean, like, here's the thing, like, to you's point, a a lot of, a lot of, you know, the hopes for winning the Central might ride on Javi Baez not being terrible this year, right? Like, if if he's just slightly below average, or average, or, you know, God forbid, above average player, which we've seen from him, that takes the Tiger ceiling uh, up, I think, pretty substantially, you know, maybe three, four wins even. Uh, And we've seen, I even remember last year after he got benched in Toronto. Remember? It seemed like for about two weeks after that he he seemed like the kind of old electric hobby. Maybe he wasn't hitting home runs like you expect, but he was productive and then it kind of disappeared again. And and I don't know, I don't know if we talked about the back, if it's concentration, what it is, maybe having Cora here will help keep him on track. I I do think it's still in there. It's just, yeah, I, I don't blame fans for being kind of skeptical and upset because he hasn't really shown it, but Again, yeah, he's it's it's not like he's, you know, thirty-nine and, and and can't completely come back. I worry about his bat speed, I worry about him getting a little older, but I, I don't think we've seen I don't think I think there's gonna be some good Javi Baez left in his career. I don't I don't think we've seen the best of him in a Tigers uniform.
0: So Raj uh, Raj mentioned that uh if Javi comes up in a, a clutch situation and he doesn't perform, then you can start being mad. Well, Javi had an 820 OPS with runners in scoring position last year, so he was driving them in when when they were on base. Now, I don't really necessarily believe in clutch hitting, and I, overall he wasn't a productive hitter, but when put in the situations, he was a productive hitter. Um, I remember that pinch hit double down the right field line, and I believe the Tigers went on to win that game. So, um, yeah. Um, on top of that, um, if you're going to pay attention to something – Javi Baez related for spring training. Pay attention to how he does against fastballs. Don't worry about sliders outside. Don't worry about him swinging and missing. Pay attention to what he's doing with fastballs. Is he is he hitting them hard? Is he hitting them into the outfield? Is he pulling he a, them, yeah, pulling them. He had a negative seventeen run value against fastballs last year, which obviously yeah. the worst for his career and the only other time he was negative on fastballs was uh 2020 during the covid season which we won't even count that so um he was actually plus two, plus 2 run value on sliders last year so
3: i mean <laughs> yeah, he's he's kind of and i've talked about this before there are certain hitters that that scare you in uh in clutch situations because you know, if, if you got the bases loaded and you feel like you can make hobby chase and, and you try it, but it, like, even as a pitcher, you, you start getting a little bit like, I don't know. You're like, I don't want to get to a three ball count here and walk in a run. So if you throw it near the plate, he's a guy that, <laughs> that can yeah. put it in play and do damage. It's the old, it's the Delman young, uh, theorem that I had why Delman seemed to always show up in the playoffs because pitchers were throwing him more strikes. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, we, yeah, we just need to go out and see him perform, right? I think that's all anybody yeah. wants to see, and, and people are gonna be skeptical in this until they see him do it. And I'm just gonna to try to wait. Wait and see, right? I'm hopeful.
1: So I look at it. I mean, that's honestly until there's game action, then judge if you will. But if you're gonna judge based off what you see in thirty seconds on Twitter, then I don't know what to tell you.
0: Yeah. Okay, uh Looks like uh have a few things left on the agenda for tonight. Uh, TJ Hopkins claimed off waivers. Um, RE DFA'd for Gio Urshela. I believe it was two or three days. Um, TJ Hopkins is interesting. He's already 26, but uh, he hit 308, 411, 514 in the minors last year playing corner outfield. Um, depth piece. If Mark Canna goes down, he's probably a right handed option in the minors to replace him. Um, his defense. Yeah. Corner outfield defense. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You know, we'll see if they, you know, it may be a situation where like we see a couple of days from now, they've traded him to, you know, back to Cincinnati for cash considerations or something like that. You know, we'll see. Um, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have another red handed outfielder until, uh, you know, although if you got big B and you got Malloy out there, and uh probably but do down there, yeah, I think it 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 you know, I don't know I, I I feel like Scott Harris's approach to to player acquisition on at this level of the roster is, is kind of like um, he just likes to try things on, right? He goes to the changing room a lot. He's gonna try this guy on and then he, he might him, he might put him back on the rack like and and there's nothing wrong with that, I suppose, but um, I don't know, like I like I didn't even bother I, I've learned now to not really even bother to research these guys. <laughs> like, because it, you know they they're they're here one day and gone the next um i i don't know like there was you didn't mention it but we we kind of brought up Keston here earlier and, and the people seem to get like there was there was an outsized amount of attention to that to me because i don't think he's going to take it in a bat for the tigers this year uh he he may i guess it something goes wrong but like this he's a dude that has some power but he also has the highest strikeout rate in baseball yeah. like going back to 2000 19, 2020, right? And his his one good year was twenty nineteen when he had a babip over four hundred. And uh and that was the, the the rabbit ball year, right? Like the everybody was hitting 30 home runs that year. So I, I just I don't really believe in Kesson Hira. Now maybe they've seen something and he's adjusted, but I'm skeptical there. So I don't know. You know, Hopkins here uh you know, give a penny, take a penny.
2: It seems like the, you know you turn that bottom of the roster, you're always looking you know I've talked about this before the Rays always had that thing, let's get two percent better, right? every move let's just get a little tiny percent better and eventually you arbitrage that and you leverage that into and you got something so that's what i to, in my mind how i view harris on here you know uh do they feel for this year especially uh giovanni Ursella or the giovanni or just geo do we know
3: it's both i, I okay. he may just yeah you
2: know. yeah anyway so <laughs> so Ursella is just a, you know that two three percent better than whatever hopkins would have possibly
1: provided for them. I mean, I, and Bada Boom bring brings it up, and there's a lot of other people that have brought this up. I said this earlier, Metal Bug said this too. I still think the Tigers are going to make a trade. They have too much of a one type of player to... They're going to offset it somehow. They're going to trade it. I mean, I look at it this way. I think they will try to hopefully make an attempt to make a trade for another outfielder that could provide a little power, maybe an offensive upgrade out there, because... If you look at the triple A outfield right now as it stands, Big B, Badu, Malloy look like might be your potential starting triple A outfield, which is nothing wrong with that. But you still want a little more plus defense. And, you know, Eddie's Leonard is probably getting some time in center field too, as well. So, that being said, or what they could do is trade one of those guys and put Leonard in the outfield full time. That's a possibility.
3: Yeah. It- I know, we, we've talked about Badu, I think, a fair amount, but I, I just, you know, he might not be a fit for the Tigers, uh, but I do think he, I could see him playing for other teams in two different capacities. One is a guy that that you you think still has some upside, and you play him every day, and one is is a really solid fourth outfielder who can do a yeah. bunch of things for you. If you know, it, you know, he's got speed, he's got some pop, he'll take a walk, he can play center field, he's better in left field, I, I think. That's a valuable piece at the end of your bench for a championship team even. Yeah. But uh, the Tigers might be in just kind of that weird spot where they're too they're too mediocre to afford a guy like that on the bench or to be playing him every day. But um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, we talked about it earlier, what a month or two months ago, that maybe the Padres seem like a good fit because they don't have any outfielders, but nothing's happened yet. So maybe they're waiting to the end of spring training.
0: The Tigers got rid of Willie Castro last year, and he uh, went on to the Twins to hit what ten home runs, thirty stolen bases. Like he was lights yeah. out for them. So yeah. I could see Badu doing that for a different team. Sadly, I, I mean,
1: look, Nico yeah. Goodrum is back with the Minnesota Twins. Who knows? I, he, I you know, saw, saw sure. that. That was yeah. that was
3: nice. I uh, not to, to derail things again, but I put this in the Discord, and I don't know uh, how many people saw this, but I was looking it up, and, and Urshela, if he, if and when he does play for the Tigers, will be the third. Colombian-born player to play for the Tigers. Huh? I don't know if you guys already saw that. You don't want to answer it. But Yupa, I don't think, saw it. So if you have any guesses.
2: Ooh. Wow.
3: I don't. There, there haven't been a ton. No. Roger, I, saw it, so I can't I can't say. Are, are I can't. they in this century? Yes, absolutely. They, they are both within the last f- 16 seasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One pitcher. was a short stop. One short stop, one pitcher.
2: Davy Cruz wasn't a Colombian, was he? Nope. Oh. All right,
3: this is a All dead right. spot in the show. I got nothing. Yeah, sorry. Go <laughs> well, people are guessing. Yeah, Polanco was Dominican, I believe. Guillen and Infante are both Venezuelan, I think. Um, uh, Edgar Renteria is from Colombia. Oh. I remember that was, uh, you know, the big Jair Jurgens deal back in 2008, oh. I think, right? Yeah. Um. I hated that, Good God! And, and Tigers legend Julio Tehran is from Colombia. Oh, geez. Julio Tehran. One outing. One? one outing, five right. innings. I think one earned run. Very yeah. solid. One of the great Tigers pitchers of all time. If you just go by rate stats.
0: <laughs> nice. So
3: that's anyway, fun. sorry, like I derailed it, but I thought it, I thought it was <laughs>
0: no. kind of fun. No, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Um. Then we got. Uh... Injury updates, I guess, uh, Sawyer Gibson-Long uh, left groin strain after a bullpen last week. Um, I don't think they'll probably – I mean, he's probably going to start in Toledo anyway, so um, I don't think that affects opening day for the Tigers at all. And then Brendan White sidelined with a right elbow soreness. I don't think they gave a timeline or anything, um, so that's uh, a little scary.
1: Yeah, that, that is a little scary, and it kind of affects what they're going to do with like likes so of Mario Diaz – some of those guys down in the, for Triple A. So I mean, that's really more of a Triple A kind of thing, possibly even. Uh, yeah, I, I, it affects the Toledo roster more or less.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was a chance that that a, a healthy white could have cracked the bullpen to start the year, but certainly he was going to be in the mix. But you, yeah, you never ever want to hear elbow trebles. I, I made the, the bad dad joke with Raj the other day about TJ Hopkins, how they signed, they just wanted one TJ in camp to so ward off any other TJs. But, uh, uh, yeah, you worry a little bit about Brendan White. Although, you know, sometimes we've seen in the last few years that that sometimes elbow strains, you know, they, they may be more like a three, four month rehab situation than, than a full TJ surgery. I, I, like, cross our fingers there. I think that's basically what happened with Dylan Smith last year. Is he went on the shelf pretty early and then eventually came back and, and seemed fine. So, yeah, we're hopeful for, for uh, Brendan White there. And, and it's, it's a bummer for Gibson Long, but hopefully, you know, It's not an arm, so just some rest and and he'll probably get back on track and and be fine for Toledo to begin the year.
2: That kind of leads me to a good question uh, because with White talking about him as a dark horse, who replaces him as a real dark horse for the bullpen? Uh,
3: Well, I know Roger isn't going to like this, but I would say Kader Montero. Um I, I would. You don't really care, obviously, but we. I'm, I'm in agreement with you that that we'd love to see an international starting pitcher. But uh, boy, I don't know that the stuff there might play out of the bullpen. Tyler Madison, secret, although he's not even in camp, right? So,
1: yeah, Tyler Madison's on camp. Brandon. Trey,
0: Trey Wing, Wingenter. He, Wingenter yeah, he, I haven't he seen. Have, I haven't he seen has him control.
1: Yet, but I think a dark horse for somebody like White. Yes, I mean, it, like he, Miguel Diaz pitched pretty good last year. The end of the season again. I know it's September, so you can't really put the in there. But Montero, yeah, Montero. I did see him throw, and he threw bullpen. And he looked pretty good, and you could see he's off a little bit. weight too, he's a little trimmer. He's a little slimmer, rather. Um, or Fl- Flores. And the biggest thing is, is with Flores, he basically said it. Hinge said, "Just throw strikes. That's all it is."
2: So, barring trade or injury, right? Who are we looking at? I mean, we got Foley, Lang, Shelby Miller, Chafin, Holton, Brisky. Is he? Do we think he's in?
3: I would, I would put Vest in right now. Maybe yeah. ahead of Brisky. Okay. Um, and then and Joey Wentz is out of options. So if you want a a long man left hander, that's, uh, that's is that eight?
1: That's gotta be eight. Yeah, it was the next Tyler Alexander.
3: No, I I think there's you know there's no guarantee that Joey Wentz wins that job, but um yeah, I mean I would I would put yeah, I would put brisky and Fido and 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 all those guys <laughs> yeah. kind of in that same picture. Although Fierro is starting on Sunday, right?
1: Yeah. So
3: yes. I think they're 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 going into the season. We talked about this before, though. You know, there's nothing wrong with going into the season with 60 starters, and then if you have to use them in the bullpen, you can. It's it's tougher the other way around.
2: Well, and can do we see Brad herder being a reliever at any point?
3: As Stan says, I yes. It, and here's the thing, I. I, we have to go back in our DMs, but, but I was kind of, uh, saying, Hey, you know, Brand Herd looks pretty damn good in the middle of 2022. And I got a bunch of pushback from people who I won't name. Uh, but, uh, you know, I saw things that, that I liked a lot. He throws a lot of strikes despite the funk and the, the angle. Again, I think I mentioned it on, on a different podcast the other a couple weeks ago, though. You just don't see starting pitchers who look like that. You just don't. It's, it's a really funky arm angle. It's a, it's a, it's a cross-the-body delivery. Um, it wouldn't shock me if he makes it work. He's got the he's got the command and he's got the pitches. It's just, uh, I don't know, you just you just don't see it. So that's why I would throw him in the bullpen.
1: There, yeah, I, I know what DMs you're talking about because some, mm-hmm. some other I got some crap last year about that too. I yeah. pushed back and said, "Well,
3: we need to go back kiss, and look for it and screenshot yeah, it."
1: Yeah, you know I also said, "Kiss my ass!" Look how much she's done in Double A, and I've seen them more than you. So shut up. Yeah. Yeah, that's that pretty work.
0: much it. Yeah, There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, Raj, who would you be more disappointed if they got relegated to the bullpen, Kyder Montero or Wilmer Flores?
1: Montero. Because, look, Flores needs to throw a third pitch consistently in that change-up. I mean, he's got that short slider, he's got the fastball, and he's got another like cutter. Look, It looks like it would be a cutter. But if you can't throw a change-up, you're not going to make it as a starter. And one thing I did ask him about was like, he just, there's a lot of innings last year. We had long innings. I mean, he just labored through like a bulldog. I think Montero, he's got four or five pitch mix. He can, he can, for him, it's just getting a matter of stamina, but I think he's capable of being a guy who could be a four for fifth starter. And if you put on the bullpen, it's just a, to me, it's just a waste. It's not like Gregory Soto where he's a lefty or anything like that. Montero has got, some really good spin rate too and, and when he can he has ability to, he could command and shape his pitches i think he's a much better option as a starter versus out of the bullpen yeah
3: i mean I, I agree with that and and i think the the only thing where i would disagree is is that i think he's got the stamina i think he threw like 140 innings last year didn't he i'm checking right now um i think he's got he's he's got the broader arsenal I think the pure stuff is better, so I'm looking 100 127 innings. Okay, um, and and I think he can. He's a guy. He was remarkably consistent in Toledo. I think he went five or six innings in every single one of his outings. Now they weren't all pretty. My only issue with him is command, and and it's it's command in inside the zone. He doesn't walk a ton of guys, but he got hit a lot more than he should have. I think because he leaves pitches over the heart of the zone too much, and I think that's something that that they could fix. In the big league level, at least hopefully. I mean, kind of Reese Olson had some of the same problems. Um, so I yeah, I would I would be more disappointed if they move into the bullpen. The only reason I mentioned is is we've heard people within the organization say, Boy, you know, he would be pretty nasty on the bullpen. And I kind of agree because I think he would really let loose and the command issues wouldn't come into play as much. And instead of sitting 94 to 96, he might be sitting 97, 99 with that spin rate and with those two breaking balls and with that change up. And I think it could be pretty nasty.
0: Has no has Manning learned to change up? Nope. nope. There you go, net deadly Ninchabis. And then uh what about Reese Olson? I think uh, we all agree that he deserves a spot in the rotation until uh, Yeah, it might something Mike, happens.
1: Mike, well we had Mike uh Pertello of MLB.com and I was looking at some of his numbers with 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 him. Olson's got some sneaky numbers, and I mean I think Olson's gonna continue to progress this year, and you just make sure his health. Is in order.
3: Um, yeah, you know, we, uh, I, I tend to toot our own home sometimes on here because we can. But uh, Olsen is one we got absolutely wrong, right? Or at least uh, yeah. so far. I mean, we, we had him heading into last year. I think we had him 16th or 17th in our top 30. Uh, and I, I, you know, honestly, for the first couple of months, we were like, yeah, see, when he was getting <laughs> beat around in Toledo. And what we didn't <laughs> factor in was that he would just come to the majors and suddenly be good (laughs) like like the stuff was always there and and you know that's that's one of those things where you got to give a ton of credit to to Olsen but also to the big league pitching staff the the uh you know Federer and and the guys there really getting him to maximize what he does well and and uh so yeah I mean we we got that one wrong and uh I'll never yeah
2: I mean it's the the small sample size theater right I saw him pitch a game here in Des Moines. He looked terrible. He was all over the place. He he lost about six miles per hour off his fastball, and by the fourth inning, uh, if you that was, but that ended up being his last bad start. And he had three good starts right after that in Toledo, and boom, he was in the big leagues. And then I was thinking he's going to get crushed. You know, it just if you would have told me that he was going to have a successful summer at the big league level after I saw him in May. I, I would have bet the house
1: that that was wrong <laughs> you know yeah. what there's a you, I will say this another guy who gives a lot of credit should be Juan Nieves.
3: Juan yep, Nieves,
1: yep, I, if there's one, like if there's one thing I've noticed about spring training and beyond that guy is everywhere I mean I, I he he is literally everywhere that Federer isn't I mean it's it's Feder. you see Feder with like some I got this really good picture of him Jake Rogers in, in Terrick school bowl all smiling and what have you, but Juan Nieves is everywhere. I mean, he is, you hear him going over the, like, you just, you don't see him, it's not often in the headlines or anything, but you can tell, like, he has a, these guys listen to him. Every time he speaks and he goes over anything, they listen to him. So, I, I, I don't know, Nieves has a really good rapport with these guys too as well. I just wanted to mention that because I see him, like I said, just zigzagging across everywhere on camp.
3: Well, and, and, just, you know, Stan said Olson a reliever question mark. And that's what I had a peg. I, I kept making the comparison to Alex Lang. I thought he was a guy that was going to have to be a reliever who relied on his breaking balls and change up. It basically the fastball was your change of pace mix because I didn't, or a pitch because I didn't think the fastball was good enough. Um, and I, I don't, know, yeah, I mean, Larry says it's way too early. I, I guess it is, but he came, he threw a hundred innings in the big leagues last year with an ERA under four and the strikeout was his strikeout rate was okay. And the walk rate was under three per nine. Like there's not a lot of, I mean, I suppose he could get injured. I mean, part of the reasons we were concerned was the delivery a little bit, but, um, yeah, I mean, I have no problem with them going to the year with him in the rotation because I I do think he earned it, uh, with, with his performance.
0: He also made adjustments throughout the year. Like he was good starting out had a few rough weeks and then finished strong. So, yeah. Um, You guys have anything else before we uh, get out of here? Well, I just problem.
2: wanted to question of open. jerseys. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they my suck.
0: goodness.
1: Look, it, look, I don't want to see people's nuts, okay? I'm sorry. If you want to <laughs> see guys nuts and, you know, bulges and all that stuff, that's cool, whatever. But it's beyond ridiculous. These, The way they've handled – like, we talked about this last week, the names on the back, but the see-through pants and Tony Clark's going out there saying, guys, come on. Manfield, wow Manfield is such an idiot about this too. It's like, "There's nothing wrong." Or uh, the, they spent hours and hours researching this. It's it's the uh, materials, but get out of here! I mean, come on! I mean, I have fanatic stuff. I have a hoodie, a Red Wings hoodie. Within a week after I got and put my name on it, it was like a really good deal. And I know why it was a good deal. The 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 lettering expired within two weeks. It was starting to already go. Fanatics, I mean you, you get what you pay for. I just don't understand why the the name on the back that was the. thing. I still don't get that. Like I don't have binoculars now to watch a damn name of a on the back of the jersey. Why? Why that was there was nothing wrong with that. But then I saw the Kansas City jerseys today where the sponsor logo is huge. It's right <laughs> here. You can see it. You can see it bigger than the back of the jersey.
3: Yeah, we're seeing underpants. Yeah, from all accounts there's nothing good about these I, if i guess i've heard that some of them think that they're comfortable which good you want to be comfortable when you're doing your job but like yeah i don't know maybe they're hoping to get more female viewers i, I just <laughs> i don't know i i think it just feels like one of those i think i compared it to the nba ball a couple of years ago where they just made this change and it turned out to be a disaster and they had to go back on it i don't know i mean they're they're hundreds of millions of dollars involved in this, if not billions of dollars, right? I don't think, and one thing we've seen from Rob Manfred is he, he doesn't care about anything other than, than the bottom line, really. Mr. Uh, sorry, the A's are leaving. There's another team in town. <laughs> like the, the, <laughs> One of the more tone-deaf things you've ever heard. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It it, it it may be one of those things where we're just we're talking about it right now and there's a furor and then we get used to it and it goes away. But uh, if the players truly don't like it, then I could see something... Happening soon. Yeah.
2: Well, they're supposed to be cooler in the hot weather, right? And those, and by judging by the pants, you can see through them. They probably will be. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And I mean, the thing—I mean, they may change for the MLB players. It's not going to change on the fan side. It, no. They're going to yeah. be like that forever.
1: Yeah, fan side is especially mm-hmm. when they took over New Era, the or the hats. Forget about it. I Maybe such they bad can... news
3: start getting the sponsors and put them over the crotch of players and there'll be like adult, you know, brazzers well, or something like that.
1: There is a Stephen Barry's of the modern times. Anybody gets a Stephen Barry's reference? Chris, you Wait, remember Stephen was Barry's? That, was it
3: in Ann Arbor? Was there?
1: Yeah. Remember Stephen Barry's? They, they yeah. started spreading out everywhere. It was just like, like an
3: $8 shirt. Yeah.
1: Yeah, $8 yeah. Michigan shirt. Within two weeks, it was evaporating in the thin air. That's all it reminds me of. And maybe that's where this guy got to start at. I don't know. But all I know is it's just it's a terrible look, and I saw, I think I saw a picture talking to Mark Feathers, uh, Fine said of uh, MLB. dot com about it, and he's just like pointing at the name. He's like, yeah, he's pretty adamant that it sucked.
3: Yeah, there's, there's nothing good about them, right? It's uh, and
2: it's uh, unanimous. It's it's uniting the country. They're bringing the country together against these things.
0: Again, anybody- Mike no, Trout did say he liked them, so. That's, wow. gotta, that's gotta yes, mean he something, is. right? He's, He's a also Nike. a Nike
1: man,
3: though. Yeah. He is a Nike man. Did anybody watch uh, the game tonight, the Dodgers and Padres? Yes. Well, football? I
0: watched the first three innings, still
3: was it? I mean, were the jerseys really bad in action? Did, were you noticing them, or were you just the only thing I noticed was bomb? the
0: only thing I noticed was the lettering? I mean, the yeah. back of the jersey is just so obvious. Um, and then, if you do a close-up shot, you can see the pants. But from the from the normal angle, you can't really notice anything.
2: It is one of those things where a month or two from now, nobody will care. It's like the bigger bases. Yep. Nobody cared about the bigger bases after about a day. <laughs> you
1: know, I see what I see. What happening is if they slide and they tear open, I mean, yeah, that could be an issue.
3: Yeah, that that always, you know, when, when jerseys start falling apart, I remember that was an issue with uh, Adidas jerseys in, in college basketball a few years back. It was like, what, why are these jerseys <laughs> keep breaking open, but uh, about that. yeah, we'll see. But, no, but we, I
1: want we... to go ahead.
3: Oh, go ahead. I was just asking if we had any questions on Twitter or anything like that. I didn't notice. Nope. Yeah. I didn't see anything.
0: Nope. Oh, someone and... just said he wanted to see a school hitting 97, 98 rather than a hundred right now. And then I think it, if he's not if he's not over himself, I don't see yeah. what the issue is.
3: Pikachu pajamas. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. I'm Bada Bing, it says it's just a matter of time where the league makes them wear Pikachu pajamas. Go to minor league baseball because that's what you see. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we,
3: there's Paw Patrol night and SpongeBob night Star and Wars. Star Wars and the Harry yeah, Potter uniforms. Yeah, and The various
1: food. Yeah. The food jerseys, the food hats. I'm I, waiting for 20... Waiting for Tony Paco's night down in Toledo. That's what I'm
3: for. I, I am kind of, frankly, surprised we don't see more of that in the big leagues. But I think that there is an, an element of that that they just consider too minor league, right? But, but like, why not have Marvel Day at Comerica, right, where the players are wearing a Captain America jersey? It's you sell hundreds yeah, of that's thousands. Star Wars of them. night. I mean, yeah, but the, the players' jerseys don't change, oh. though, like like they do in the minors. That's what I mean. I, it wouldn't shock me if we see that soon.
2: Darth Vader's batting helmets. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: oh yeah, bottom boom is not kidding about the Great Lakes loons do have a lot of weird nuts. That's yeah. a good call out there. That's uh I love that ballpark though. I love Midland oh. uh Dalfield. That's a really cool park, worth checking out. But I want to thank everybody for making this possible who have donated to our PayPal and um have donated period to our GoFundMe. I mean it's it, if it wasn't for you guys, this wouldn't make it possible. And special, again, special shout out to Sherry for hosting and allowing this to happen. She's been such a great host. I did my laundry today here. I've been able to relax. But um, it's just nice to have kind of a home feel versus staying in a hotel. Nothing that wrong with staying in a hotel or anything. Like I did, the I stayed at a hotel at the wrong side of part of town in Chattanooga. Uh-huh. That was a mistake. Um, stayed the by the airport. Streets was, uh, of Chattanooga. Yeah, there was a there was a roach in my room, and that's why I didn't sleep. Uh, I found one. Uh, yeah, I woke up and I saw a roach, and I'm like, "Oh, I ain't sleeping. Not good. Not good. Yeah. The, it was the first room. time I had a bad experience at a hotel, though. To be fair, no, no, I take that back. I'm sorry, Chris. We were talking about the uh, the murder
3: room, the murder room, the murder room.
1: In Erie. We, yeah. yeah, the the murder room in Erie. So that was that was it. But again, thanks to everybody who's donated to make this possible. I, again, really goes beyond appreciation. It just goes beyond everything. So thank you.
0: All right, I think that will do it for us here today. Um, Tigers play on Saturday, Um, not going to be on TV. Uh, Dan Dickerson will be on the radio, Um, should be on MLB game day too, so you can follow along on the website. Um, But for me, Chris, Raj, and you, we will see you next Thursday.
3: Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. We out.